This is Let Your Voice Be Heard, right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Uh-oh. 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 Hey, I'm Jackie Cohen. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Jackie Cohen. I spell it J-A-Q-I. And I'm really sorry for reporting you on Facebook, Stanley. Sorry. <laughs> oh, we knew it was you the whole time. <laughs> it wasn't me. It wasn't just, me, but just, just, I think just I another white fine. woman report black men it on Facebook. It was not me, but whomever it was, we all needed a break from Stanley's Facebook. So I thank said you. white people are trash. I'm going to report about the NFL. <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's, I mean, like, that's, you should not have been reported for that. I, I, I also wonder, like, why now? Like with all the things that you've ever said on Facebook. Oh, Facebook? I've been banned before. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> One time I got banned for saying white people season their chicken with the tiny water. Really? And they banned yeah. it? Ugh. What was so wrong with that? Like it's a joke. Facebook no, it's is. just a fact. We know white people don't season their food. I season my food. Don't lie to me, Alyssa. <laughs> you've had my food. So I, you've I'm also <laughs> in your playlist. So don't lie to me. <laughs> my playlist and my food are two different things. See, white people always want to separate it. And hey, don't even lie, because you like some of the music on my playlist. I did, I did. I'm just slamming You do. Playlist. You just played Lana Del Rey for everybody. Yeah. Did you hear what she said? My yeah, pussy yeah, tastes right, like Pepsi Cola. She did say that. Anyway, who are you? Um, I'm Melissa Fuchs. I'm your uh, legal correspondent, so you can talk legal to me. I got my really cool mug right here with all my Supreme Court cases just, on it. Just side note, we all decided last week we were going to bring in mugs, so we look professional, and of course, Alyssa was the only one to remember so that's why I'm like I got my, my cool Supreme Court mug I got my are you detaining me or my free to go shirt so we're very legal today <laughs> um, but you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Alyssa Fuchs or facebook.com slash politically preposterous which is the fan page um, you can also find me on Twitter at Alyssa Fuchs which is I-L-Y-S-S-A-F-U-C-H-S and on Instagram of course at Alyssa.Fuchs because you know I got to mix it up and stuff mm-hmm. hey guys I'm Selena. Right. Hi. Selena Ho. Instagram and Twitter. It's Lexis. Lexis owner. Lexis uh, owner. Lexis <laughs> if you saw my Instagram stories last night, you may think that Lexis gave me a free car. Um, and I'll just leave it right there. Um, so that being said, I'm super happy to be here. I'm happy you guys are here with us. Of course, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard, where we talk politics, social issues, Pop culture, Kanye, Trump, climate change, and the apocalypse all within one hour. (laughs) So we have a loaded show. And of course, we want you to let your voice be heard. That means you should chime in if you're watching via Facebook Live on Facebook Live. We also have our new intern, Dejanae, doing our Twitter. Shout out to Dejanae. Tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. We'll take questions and comments there. And yeah, I'm like super happy and pumped. I just got back from Seattle where I heard someone said it's never sunny in Seattle. It was sunny the whole time. You must have brought the sun. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. It's just wherever Selena goes, the sky just opens up. It gets sunny. And the rainbows. Like literally the best weather ever. Like I was on the rooftop at Amazon's headquarters. Perfect weather. Getting paid $15 an hour. And they took away your benefits. Meeting with Jeff Bezos. Just living the life. Are we on Instagram Live today, too? Yes! I forgot to shout out the Instagram Live followers. Hey! What's going on, Instagram Live? We appreciate you guys tuning in with us. So, yeah, listen, guys. We are not in our usual studio. Usually, we'd be somewhere in Harlem in a stuffy room with better sound spacing in there. But um, the studio is under construction, so we are here in Tribeca doing this show on Facebook Live because we want to make sure you keep getting that good content. And listen, if you don't have time to look on Facebook Live or you have to run out, the podcast still comes out every Monday morning, unless, of course, I got drunk the night before and forgot <laughs> to press publish. That happens. You can still find us there. It does happen. And... You know, we bought this soundboard, but if you want to help us kind of ramp up and get better equipment for a better quality show, we're going to be having a GoFundMe going up later today. I said that last week, but this time I'm serious. And you can help us raise $400 to get a soundboard that doesn't just cover one mic, but four mics. But anyways, guys, we have a huge show scheduled today. So I know we all have been watching, or maybe not all of us, because I tried to avoid it, actually. Kanye West continue his implosion in Secundum. And he was at the Oval Office, and one, he cursed and said the MF word, which I guess no one had ever said there before, even though I doubt that's the case. You think Obama never said that word in the Oval Office? Trump curses all the time. Two, he hugged Donald Trump and pretty much said that the reason I like this Make America Great Again hat is because it makes me feel like Superman, and I didn't have my dad, and you're kind of like my dad. Three, Jim Brown was there. Jim Brown, NFL Hall of Famer, former civil rights activist, was there. And of course, for 
Kanye West said racism doesn't happen, it doesn't affect me. So we'll be getting on that. We'll also be talking about all the things that happened this week, including but not limited to how hospitals have a plan to lower the cost of medicine. Um, some breaking news is going to pop up on Twitter any minute now, and of course, Ford laying off a whole bunch of workers because of Ford's because of the Trump's tariffs. And, and you know, don't forget about white women in Brooklyn calling the cops on black people because we have to have at least one incident of that every week. No offense, you guys, but make white people scared again. No. So that's why she. Can when were they that. ever scared, Stanley? Come, come to East New York in 1996 and see how many white people you see. They, they weren't there. Exactly. You know but they, they are now. Well, everyone was scared. Everyone was scared. I wasn't scared. I was, I was scared. I was in East New York, shoot. Yeah, I was no, going to out there. Well. But along with those pieces, guys, we're going to be talking about something that doesn't get enough attention, climate change. And why does it matter? Because one, we're all going to drown and be boiled alive at the same time because we're getting too hot. And two, before that happens, we'll all be homeless because we'll be pushed out of our homes because of climate gentrification. We'll be talking about all of that and why we know about it through this report that came out a couple of days ago that said we had 12 years to get our act together or we're in even deeper trouble than before. So yeah, it's a big show, but I am excited to talk about things. What about you guys? It's been uh, it's been a really hard week. I don't know, especially with the with the IPCC report coming out. It's been really hard thinking about the future of our city and our our you know our planet and what we all need to do to, like Stanley said, get our acts together before it's too late. Yeah. So it's so yeah, I mean, guys, it's just depressing. Yeah, it is depressing. Straight up. And that's why we're going to start the show up, guys, with something light. We're going to go with the news roundup. So if you're new to the show or you've never heard it before because you're new to the show, it's the same thing. The news roundup is the segment where we just kind of like talk about the news stories that happened throughout the week, things that made you laugh, hey, IG Live, things that made you cry, curse, flip a table, or just scream out in frustration. I know Jackie gets frustrated about at least one news story a day, and Alyssa gets frustrated about everything every second, and then last will be on Saturday Night Live. So um, I want to kind of do a round robin, but I want to start it off because I'm selfish and a narcissist, and tell you guys that there's a, the hospital network in Utah is working on creating their own pharmacy to get all the off-brand medicine and start developing it there. And the reason they want to do this is because they can significantly lower the price of medicine if they're producing the, all the off-brand prescription pills in-house. And we're not talking about a small $5 discount. We're talking about medicine that might be $7,000 all of a sudden being $70. This could be a huge thing. So I know we don't usually talk about this piece right here because when we think about healthcare, we think about the cost of doctors and x-rays, but pharmaceutical medicines, like that is also why it's so expensive. So this can be a game changer. Yeah, no, absolutely. I remember I went to the dermatologist because, and it wasn't like a severe issue. It wasn't even like acne. And the medicine they prescribed was like a couple hundred. And I like, I they, they didn't even tell me that. So I went to the pharmacy and I'm like, oh my God, I can't afford this. Like yeah. Cigna only covered half or something like that. It was ridiculous. Wait, it was still a well, couple hundred. Yeah. Years. I mean, this is why we yes. need single payer healthcare. Cause when I lived in England um, in 2008, basically everything is standard. It's 18 quid for every prescription. 18 quid is basically about, well at the time it was about double. It was about 36 bucks, um, but that was because of the exchange rate. Yeah. Um, now it's like basically the exchange rate sort of evened out so we're really talking about give or take between 18 and 25 dollars or so um in american money for every single prescription um and so like this is like it's not just it's great that the hospitals are taking that step but in my mind like it's not good enough for the hospitals to just be taking that step you also need government getting involved and saying, we're gonna to work to try and lower the price of drugs through legislation and through a single payer healthcare system that we know drives the cost of prescription medication down. Yeah. Jackie, any thoughts on this? No, it's just that the cost of healthcare in this country, everything associated with healthcare is is outrageous. And I, I would echo Alyssa's point exactly that the ultimate goal is single payer healthcare, right? This is a great step, but this is this is sort of mitigating a bigger problem that we have the solution to, but it's it's so politically divisive that we can't seem to get it done. Yeah, well, you know, speaking of so much winning that we're doing, uh, Ford announced this week that they're laying off uh, hundreds and hundreds of workers because they are losing money due to the tariffs. Um, and so, you know, this is sort of 
what we were saying when Donald Trump was like, we're going to blow the whole system up and, you know, we're going to like put America first, which is sometimes these policies, they, he doesn't think them all out. And he doesn't realize that like when you get involved in like putting tariffs on certain goods, that increases the price of goods or the cost to make certain goods here in the United States. And when the cost of goods goes up, you can't sell as many. And that means you have to lay workers off. And so like we are seeing a direct impact of uh, you know, the Donald Trump policies yeah. as being the layoff of American workers. Um, and the people who are being laid off a lot of times are the very people who voted for Donald Trump. So, so aren't those little sport jobs in, the, in Michigan? Um, a lot of them are, but Ford has plants all over um, the country, not just in Michigan. I thought it was funny because Michigan voted, didn't they go for Trump? Uh, oh, they yeah. did, yeah. They actually did. Well, you so, get what you vote for. Yeah, but, like, at so, the same yeah. time, it also affects everybody because... Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, the the economy, your vote, like these are all things that are individual to you. But like at the end of the day, what happens in one place affects everybody else in the whole country. Yeah, sure. That's ridiculous, guys. So I, I guess we're all going to be poor and burning up because of a climate disaster. <laughs> what else have we got going on over here? Give me some. Give me some good journalistic reporting that makes me feel good about the space I'm in. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Didn't you have something about journalists? I don't know if this is good, uh, happy news. This is quite the opposite. Um, but this was a story I was following this week. Um, Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi was, um, we, we presume dead, right? Even though Saudi Arabia still insists that he was not murdered. Um, so he was a journalist. He was very he, uh, critical of leadership in Saudi Arabia and the prince. And he, um, he left the country and was sort of writing a lot more and being more critical of the country than journalists have been within the country. Um, and he was in Turkey. He went to the Turkey, the Saudi Arabian, uh, consulate in Turkey to obtain proof of his divorce so that he can remarry someone who was, who was a Turkish woman. Um, they were going to get married. He went into the consulate and never came out. And his, his fiance and friends waited outside for him all night until one in the morning. Um, Turkish, uh, Saudi Arabian officials within the consulate said, oh no, he left. He like left through the back door. Um, but then oh, there yeah, was totally through the, yeah, back door. through the back door, AKA in boxes, um, because there were, there was video footage from th earlier in the day, throughout the day showing, um, Saudi Arabian officials or Saudi Arabian sort of hitmen coming to the consulate one by one in cabs with big, big boxes, um, throughout the day and then all leaving, um, you know, later on in the day. So they, they all checked into hotels. I think they only stayed in the country, in Turkey, for one day. Wow. Um, so it's believed that he left with them in those boxes. Well, isn't it true that when Trump was campaigning, he talked about um, this journalist and he said that he would go to extents to actually get him out. But now we also know that doesn't Trump have some type of compromising relations with Saudi Arabia. I think like, we're don't they have some business? That may have been a different journalist. This was not a journalist who was who was oh, in American. prison. This is someone who or American, right? This is somebody who was a Saudi Arabian journalist. I think he was working for the Washington Post yeah, he for a while. For the Post. But wow. but there's you know there, there's sort of two issues here that I see. One, um, you know, sort of. I mean, obviously, Trump has no respect for, for journalists. And so uh, journalists themselves are reporting and sort of calling out very powerful figures, and they put themselves at great risk. And there's been a great history of journalists doing this, right, being beheaded in certain countries or going into war spaces and putting their lives on the line just to report the truth. And so um, you have an instance where this journalist was calling out his own government and, you know, at risk for that reason. Yeah. So obviously, I don't think of Trump as someone who's necessarily going to step up and protect journalists when he's, you know, calling all journalists in this country fake news. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, Saudi Arabia, I mean, this is, if, if this is true, which we have every reason to believe that this is, that they murdered this journalist, I mean, this is a huge problem. And Trump's response to the news was very weak. It was very, oh, I got to learn more about the facts. I don't know. He was very, very resistant to calling out Saudi Arabia and saying, if this is true, this is what we're going well, to do to punish you. I mean, look, the, the, the issue with Saudi Arabia is just interesting from the broader picture, because at the same time that Saudi Arabia is technically our ally, um, we also know that 
For example, the people who committed the terrorist attacks in 9-11 were Saudi nationals. Yeah. They weren't from Afghanistan. Right. They weren't from Iraq. They were from Saudi Arabia. We also knew, know that Saudi Arabia has a terrible record for, when it comes to human rights. I mean, look, not that the United States has the greatest record when it comes to human rights. We don't. But Saudi um, Arabia is particularly bad. bad. I mean, right. it was just this year that women were told that they were finally allowed to drive again. Drive. Some people have said that Saudi Arabia is ISIS that has made it which is essentially a monolithic religious-based society where it is ruled by a ruling class. And if you don't do or say or what they want you to do, or if you speak out against them, they will kill you, as I think we so, are seeing in this so situation. So why does the U.S., and maybe you want to get into this a little bit, why does the U.S. support Saudi Arabia when it condemns countries like Iran and Iraq and Afghanistan? Like Saudi, why Saudi, Arabia, Arabia? Saudi Arabia gives them money. It buys a bunch of weapons from Oil. Them, and the oil. Yeah. But, you know, guys, I know we're talking about something very important over here with foreign policy, and we probably should stick to it, but Kanye West is back in the news again, and that is much more important than maybe so important. supporting um, ISIS's success story in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> so, let's get back to Kanye. <laughs> Kanye West. The man who says he's running for president in 2020. Well, now well, he's running for president he's in 2024. He went to the White House with Jim Brown. Yes, that Jim Brown. And he said, among other things, racism isn't real. It doesn't affect me. Black people need to get off food stamps. Donald Trump said this from North Korea. I like to wear the MAGA hat because it makes me feel like Superman. <laughs> and I didn't have a dad. And I, I didn't have male energy. And I love the male energy Trump gives as if he was my father. He then hugged Donald Trump, and he rambled on and said that he wanted to create a new plane, not Air Force One. I think um, um, Air Force. Hy a hydrogen plane. A hydrogen. And did plane. you know his password is zero 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 zero? Yes, Damn, that's the best. Stole my thunder. I was gonna bring that part too. Yes, he unlocked his phone and showed Donald Trump, and his password, <laughs> as Elizabeth said, was zero. Why would you do that? Zero, because zero, he's zero, an zero, idiot. Zero. Like no. this is like my principal objection to all of this is like well, I look on, at it as a distraction. One second, I'm, I'm gonna cut you off. I'm white. The whites. I need you guys to step in the back for a second. This is the blacks conversation only. Selena. Why are you so racist? That's not racist. Facebook can't ban me for that. Yeah, actually ah. they can. Oh, <laughs> so, Selena. I have said for a long time now that Kanye West is an Uncle Tom. I know you defended him at times, not because you don't believe he's an Uncle Tom, but because you thought that maybe he was trying to prove something or he was trolling. But I know at this moment, a lot of people feel like that was the last straw. Where do you stand with Kanye on this at this point? Whenever I, okay, let's just, just to be clear, I am not a Kanye apologist by any means. What I said is that this man needs help. Yesterday, I had a conversation with Nick Cannon, who knows and has worked with Kanye West. Oh, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me pick up the name you dropped. Let me pick up the name you dropped. Okay. So, Nick Cannon, I said, I said, you know, I said, Nick, Kanye, a lot of us have canceled Kanye. Why do you have so much hope? And he said, at the end of the day, my brother needs a hug. He said he's, he's subjected to a lot of propaganda. It seems like there's not a lot of people around him who are telling him the truth. He said that, you know, when you're in this industry for so long and people tell you no, but then when you, like, um, exceed those expectations, you start to think that everything you do is right. And he has nobody there to really check him. So his way of thinking, as flawed and racist and horrible as it is, he thinks he's so right because he's made a lot of money, he has success, and he's been right about every other aspect in his life. And what he was saying, well, so, I mean, that's debatable, subjective, but he is very successful in his career. So basically, what he's saying is that, to me, I think Kanye West is suffering from some type of mental illness. I think he's deranged, and, and I think the fact that Donald Trump and, and the media keep putting, giving him a platform, well, he creates his own platform, but I don't think he... He did not deserve time in the White House. He needs help. He needs a hug. He needs therapy. And he needs to get back on medication. Well, Selena, I'm going to push back on you again. Kanye West is a millionaire. You know who needs a hug and needs therapy and medication support? I got a couple of friends in Tilden Houses in Brownsville that can use all of that. And they're not over here touting the same Donald Trump is bad. It's great for America. They're actually resisting like the rest of us. Right. I, like, I just, no, I, and we've had this debate before. Mental, having mental health issues, which we know Kanye West does, does not apologize or erase bad behavior. It just does not. And it's not my fault he has bad people around him. It's not my fault that he wants to be around a, a bunch of crazy white people. That's his fault at this point. So 
I don't think that we need to apologize for him, but I did want to ask you a question. Why stay out of this for a little bit more? I got you, Alyssa. Why, like, Kanye West is starting to represent a sector of, like, the black institution that supports Republicans. Um, and there was, you know, there was a big push to kind of get Republicans to kind of bear away from the racism, mostly in the 60s and 70s. And Jackie Robinson was one of the people who said at this point, if you are black and you support a Republican, you, do not, you are not a black person. Do you think you can be a conservative and an African-American and still keep your dignity and still keep a space where, you're, where people shouldn't look at you funny? Absolutely not. Kanye West has no dignity. Like, he needs to take a seat, he needs to sit down, and he needs to stop talking. And by no means do I think that mental illness makes you a coon. I get that. And I just wanted to I just wanted to clarify because I'm not saying that it's justified because he's suffering. I'm just trying to say that I am more empathetic because I see this man as suffering. He reminds me of people in my family who are deranged and do not have a clear thought pattern and who are influenced by negative things and negative thinking. And they're just, and, and that's the reason why they talk and they think the way that they do. Well, I can't argue with that. Listen, we had a comment? Yeah, we do. So Quenda Tiny Pay says he is trolling. Why? Because the people he is upsetting don't vote anyway, and he's trying to be president. And, like, I, I get what exactly what Quenda's saying because, like, my personal thought is, like, putting aside the racial issue is uh, this is all just a show. I actually think you guys are giving him way too much credit. I think he knows exactly what he's doing, just like Donald Trump knows exactly what he's doing. I think he's trolling us, and I think he's trying to distract us from the real issues. This week, as we're going to talk about in the later segment, the, this climate report came out about the dire consequences that climate change is going to have on our world, and yet everybody has been talking about the Kanye thing and distracted from real issues. Two weeks ago, a report came out that said Donald Trump create, committed a huge tax fraud with his father. Nobody was talking about that. Why? Because everybody was talking about Kanye's visit to the White House. So, like, to me, I think that this, like, this is just, like, all purposeful and they're doing this on purpose so that we're talking about that and so that we're not talking about the really important issues. That's a really good point, Alyssa, and there's a lot of truth to what you said, but the fact of the matter is Kanye West played a major role in a lot of people's lives. I would, I would make, I can make an argument for myself that the reason that I was more tolerant of the LGBTQ community was because Kanye West was the first rapper to speak out against homophobia and, and to speak up for same-sex marriage when his second album, Late Registration, came out and he was talking about finding out his cousin was gay and he said, I love my cousin, am I supposed to stop loving him now? Yeah, but now he's supporting a man who's so, homophobic and policies that are so, homophobic. So that's the point. He's had such a huge impact in people's lives. He said George Bush doesn't care about black people when all of us, before we were political, felt like something was wrong but didn't have the words for it. So for someone like that to make some like, albums like the college dropout that have a huge impact and I think at least in my Lena's college careers, and to be like this, it hurts because he was considered a leader. So yeah, maybe a lot of people are talking about it because it's buzzworthy, but this is a man that a lot of people looked up to, particularly people of color, because he was the standard for what you wanted and like somebody that was in the music and in the movement for a long time. And also, I would push back and say that it's not Kanye West's fault that no one is paying attention to climate change issues because we haven't been and that's how we got into this position in the first place so i think that it's i think climate change to so many people is still such an abstract thing whereas kanye west's presence in the white house it's like a clear tangible thing you can watch the video of it you see it and you're you can respond to it um and i think given the sort of like political climate we're in and the the culture this like viral culture that we find ourselves in it's much more relevant to many people who aren't sitting and talking about politics with their friends all day, right? Who don't do what we do, which is text all week about what's going on in the world, right? I don't think, I think we take for granted a little bit that we have that access to other people that want to talk about politics and, and discuss, but I don't think most people do. And so what they're seeing on CNN and on, on Fox and on you know cable news is that Kanye's in the White House and not oh our planet's on fire and we need to figure this out. I mean yeah. we really should look at our news then also and what yeah. they're and then, I mean also the White House is the one who set up that meeting and coordinated yeah. and, and, and brought him in with every single uh, media outlet that was there. So I mean if you want to talk about like distractions, the White House, the Trump administration is really good at doing that and they happen to what use Kanye this week. But it's a negative week. feedback loop, right? Where um, the media cop chooses to cover this 
this, but they choose to cover it because we choose to consume it, right? We perpetuate that. So they're not, it's not like the media is saying, this is what you need to care about and forcing it on us. I mean, it's like this, the cyclical thing of that's the media that we as a country choose to consume. And so media companies that want to make money are going to show it to us. And listen, guys, as a media company, we actually want to be intentional about not just covering the stuff that are going to get the most clicks or right. that people are paying the most attention to. So if you're watching the show and you're expecting a longer Kanye West conversation, I got some bad news for you. We are shifting gears. So what we're going to do right now is take a quick 30-second break. When we come back, what we'll be talking about is a climate disaster that we're learning about because of a report that came out, and it says we have 12 years to get our act together, or we could be seeing climate disaster like never before, rising temperatures, rising sea levels, droughts, people getting pushed out of their communities. Your kid, by the time they're 21, won't have a healthy earth to live on. And we only have one earth, so I don't know where you're going. This is Lucky Voice. Be heard. We'll be right back. My friends, real friends, better than your friends. That's how we keep popping out. <laughs> we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Brought to you by my office and my Wi-Fi. You're welcome, all of you. No, well, um, Thank you. Our studio was out of commission for the next couple of weeks, so we're recording out of Tribeca um, with Facebook Live. So what that means is way better Facebook Live quality for those of you who watch there. But if you're on the podcast, we apologize. We did take a little bit of an L on the sound quality. If you want to help us improve that, or if you just love our show and want to help us build, please get to our GoFundMe and help us raise money to get a better mixer with four mics and better sound. And of course, if you want to give us money consistently because you want to grow and glow with us, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash beheardradio, where you can become a monthly subscriber. You can give as much as $100 a month. If you do that, I will personally call you Zaddy. Or you can give us $1. Listen, I got, I got no shame. Or you can give us $1 a month, and that is okay as well. We just want to also give a shout-out to Greg. Thanks for watching. Catherine, thanks for watching. Everybody else who's watching. Greg, thank you for the comment. Yeah. Um, and we really appreciate that you're tuning in with us this morning. Actually, before we clo let's close out actually with Greg's comment. Yeah, let's Greg's comment's great. Um, he says, I think Kanye matters in a few ways. One, Kanye represents a trend of black men becoming Republican voters, something to watch for going into the midterms. Two, and overall, there's a growing gender divide between all men and all women between the two political parties. And then he goes on to say, but climate change matters, too. Thank you for covering both today. Thank you so much Thanks, for that Greg. comment. Greg has yeah. got it all figured Greg, out. Greg, we appreciate you, man. So if you're not We're listening right to here. the Underdog Show, you need to be listening to the Underdog Show. Make sure you check that out. He'll be streaming wherever you can get Facebook Live. And make sure you follow him. He's on our, our comments. Click on his page. Press the follow button so when he goes live, you can get notifications. I also want to give a shout-out to Quenda Tiny Beebe. Yes, to Quenda. Hey, Tiny, girl. start a podcast. Do it. Tiny has a lot to say. Really? But now, guys, listen. We talked about Kanye, we talked about doctors. It is time to really get down to the support. So I wanna apologize in advance to our folks on Facebook Live and on IG Live because I will be reading from a paper because A, I am not that smart, and B, I wanna make sure I get this information right because it's very, very, very important. So now, according to a new report produced by the United Nations, we have just 12 years to make massive and unprecedented changes to global energy infrastructure to limit global warming to moderate levels. In English terms, what does that mean? We have 12 years to do something significant about the way that we burn energy in this world, not even this country. And if we do not do that, the entire way that we live, the water that we drink, the air that we breathe will be significantly compromised. And I don't mean that the water is going to be a little bit more salty or that the air might smell like fart consistently. It means that you can be suffocating from breathing the air. It means that we won't have clean drinking water. It means that there will be a lot more flints than even the lot more flints that we have right now. We are in serious danger. And if you have young kids, by the time they're 18, 19, 20, 21, they might not have sustainable food, sustainable water, or affordable health, or health um, shelter sources. So what does this look like in a scientific term? So the report says we will be seeing things from rising sea levels to more devastating droughts like the ones that happened in Syria and helped to cause a civil war, to more damaging storms. If you thought that Category 4 hurricane was bad in Florida, wait till New York gets a Category 5 hurricane, five times worse than Hurricane Sandy. And the problem is, it's the temperature of the Earth. So what's normal is to be about between 0.5 to maybe percent degrees Celsius or Fahrenheit, right? Right now we're at 
pardon me, right now we're at one, but we're projected to go to two degrees Celsius. And the only way we can stop this is to keep us to at minimum 1.5 degrees Celsius. That's not even a good one. That just means that instead of suffocating by walking outside, we'll be able to breathe the air. It'll just still be nasty. And we might still lose some water, and we might still lose some land, but we can still survive. So this report came because in 2015, President Obama led over 200 countries to put together a climate proposal where they all agreed to lower the CO2 levels from, to keep it at two, two degrees Celsius. That was their plan. And this report is saying two degrees is not enough. You gotta get it to 1.5. So this is something that is usually not very sexy to people because you can't really understand how it impacts your life. But if you felt like the New York summers have been more humid and unbearable than usual, if you've lived in neighborhoods where all of a sudden the water tasted funny, if you live in a home where you have asthma and all of a sudden the asthma is 10 times worse, this is super important to you. This is not a regular thing. So now guys, I wanna bring it up to the panel because these guys have been waiting patiently. And we have done plenty of shows about climate change. We have talked about Flint, we have talked about hurricanes, and we told people to panic. And now we're telling people to panic. <laughs> right. Why is this different? I wanna start with Jackie first. Um, well, I think what's new and what's, what's really scary about this report is that it tells us that things are going to get really bad much sooner than we thought, right? We knew things were going to get really bad and that we had to change our, our behavior and we had to change um, the way that we're emitting greenhouse gas into the atmosphere to reverse this this sort of pending doom. But with this report, one of the things that this report, report revealed to us was that the timeline to get our act together is about 12 years, right? Yeah. So we really need to act now. There's no time to wait. And you know, unfortunately, we are in a, a political climate, no pun intended, that isn't very conducive to making the kind of change that we need to, to reverse this, this devastating trend. Right, I mean, look, one need look no further than the planet Venus to see what is going to happen to the Earth. And to Jackie's point, much quicker than we initially expected. Um, we are, just to give you a little bit of the science behind it, is we need carbon dioxide in our, uh, in our atmosphere. Carbon dioxide is actually, um, not only does it help sustain the planet, but it helps to maintain that temperature that sustains life. However, our entire society is built around the idea of what Stanley was talking about, that one, that one degree, one and a half degree place that we are now. Um, when the planet gets warmer, uh, then we get into a feedback loop where the ice caps start to melt. That puts more warm water into the ocean. That means there's more um, absorption of heat from the sun, um, and there's less. And the more heat that absorbed by the ocean means the oceans get warmed up. And what do we see when the oceans warm up? large storms, like you point out, like hurricanes. I mean, we just had this giant hurricane in Florida. We are also seeing a, a bad situation in Florida where they have a lot of algae and this red tide. These are all effects of warming waters and a warming planet. And ultimately, we may already have you know, waited too long. Um, and so like, yeah, it is important that we make clear to people that this is something that we should have been taking serious for a long time, but we are at the point where we need to take this serious right now or we're or just else. done yeah. because else, like yeah. the at the end of the day um we do only have one planet and it's not sustainable to live the way we are living right now and i would just say this and i'll try to keep it short but this is you know this definitely hits home for me as well um if you guys are like look it's not my lifetime i don't know how long i'm gonna be here it's definitely gonna affect all of us personally and individually so if you don't care that the fact that all the coral reef will die out, if you don't care that we're gonna have more wildfires and heat waves, if you don't care that the world's food supply will dramatically decrease, then maybe you might care about how it's gonna affect your personal health. So a study, a study came out that shows that there are about six different ways that this will have an impact on your health. And I'll try to keep it short. So there will be an increase in type two diabetes they're saying there will be an increase in disease-carrying mosquitoes and ticks, Zika, mosquito bites, yeah. Uh, respiratory problems and stroke, asthma, if you have stuff like that, it's gonna get worse. Uh, more car crashes and fewer inspections. And this one, you know, is interesting because studies show that the higher the temperature, the less likely cops are to really regulate the roads. So that means that driving conditions will become more unsafe. Again, this is science, this is research, this is fact. Uh, and also, food inspections also, also drastically decrease with higher temperatures. I guess we just all get lazier when it's hotter. I don't know. But yeah. on top of that, 
extreme weather and rainfall will have uh, also contributed to the spread of bacterial infections. I know some of us are germaphobes, so imagine even more bacterial infections um, spreading. And now, last but not least, this is the one that really resonated with me. There will be an increase in mental health issues, right? We just talked about Kanye West, mental health, that's a stigma in the black community. Well, guess what? Even a modest rise in temperatures is associated with an increase in mental health. So in fact, a warming of just one degree over five years is leaked to a 2% increase in mental health issues. So if this remains consistent across the country, scientists, uh, scientists think that this will produce approximately 2 million additional individuals reporting mental health difficulties and get this, 14,000 suicides by 2050. Wow. It's real. Suicides? Suicides. So what I wanted to do was kind of talk about some more like straight up ways that can impact you. That was really good, Selena. Before we go that route, I want to give Alyssa a chance to read a comment she just got. Yeah, we're getting a comment from Chad. Hi, Chad. Um, he says, I think hurricanes should be named after men who uh, deny climate change as real, which is uh, good. I like that, too. I mean, I want to hear their names, but that actually makes sense. Thank yeah, you, Chad. Right. Thank you so much. So, guys, um, Selena really brought it home in a lot of ways. But I don't think, think that's enough to explain to people how real it is. One, one of the things that really kind of brought it home for me was what Jackie said in our email exchange yeah. when she was talking about the way that it would impact our communities. And Jackie, I just want you to, to take a second and really talk about what that climate change and what those rising sea levels and extra storms would do in a, in a state like New York City. Yeah, well, in a city like New York, um, which is a coastal city, it's, it's mostly island, right, our city. Um, and so sea level rising would put part of our city literally underwater, right? And so there would be a reduction of available housing. And as we all know, and we have talked about on the show before, um, housing isn't super abundant in your, well, it kind of technically is. Yeah. Um, if you have money. If you have money, right. Technically it is, because there's, I think, as many empty apartments as there are people without homes in the city, Whoa. but um, that's another story for another show. Um, but there is limited, overall, pretty limited housing in the city. Uh, rents are incredibly high. It's incredibly hard to purchase a home in New York. Um, and to to for sea levels to rise, even a little bit, would reduce drastically the amount of livable space in our city because there's so many, as we, we experienced during Hurricane Sandy, so much of our city falls within flood zones on coastal areas, right? And so what resonates with me and what sort of strikes me as being really problematic for the city of New York is that you know, already we're experiencing vast gentrification. Um, we normally record our show in Harlem, which is being gentrified, and we talked about it before. Harlem is in the Heights, right? It's um, not necessarily, you know, it's not on this coastal. I mean, where we we do our show in Harlem is not. Um, it's high up. Yeah, it's yeah. high up, and so what do you think rich white people are going to look towards when they look for new housing in New York City, right? When the sea level is rising and they're in their Tribeca apartments down here and they have to move out, they're going to be looking at places like Harlem and looking at places like Washington Heights to move to when because they can't. Is flooded, yeah. Exactly. I exactly. mean, and, like the truth is, eventually all of Manhattan's going to be underwater. You underwater. You can only go so high, so far. I mean, we're all going to have a significant changing in the coastline of what uh, is America. But the other thing about this point is that a lot of poor people live in low-lying areas. We yeah. saw this in Hurricane Katrina, right? Where were the poorest and, of course, people living and mostly people of color that were affected the most by Hurricane Katrina? It was in the low-lying areas, um, you know, where mostly people of color were living. And so this is a not just a gentrification issue, yes, but it's also an issue that is impacting communities of color right now. Um, I mean, look, one of the other things I know we're going to loop back around to is about prisons. A lot of prisons are built in low-lying well, areas. Hold that for one second, Lisa, because I want to get to Selena. She hasn't talked in a while. No, I just I just want to add in really quickly. Yes, it's true that climate change uh, is going to disproportionately affect us, people of color, right? Marginalized communities. And it's so funny because, like, you know, when we were talking about this show, we were like, how can, get, how can we get people interested and, you know, really wanting to engage with us? Well, it's funny because like a few years back, I had told my little sister and little brother um, that Manhattan was going to soon sink and be go underwater, and they panicked. And they kept asking me all these questions about climate change. And I'm like, oh, my God, I got their attention. I was telling them about environmental racism and all this stuff. They were like 9 and 10 at, the eight, like at that time. 
and they were and like literally like I just saw them like almost look so discouraged and defeat like defeatist and I'm like what's wrong and they were like where are we gonna live and I'm like they thought it was happening tomorrow so like I just wanted to say that like if we I think that if we start to educate um children no matter where they are and let them know how dire this this situation is and these conditions are, they're paying attention. I think maybe we aren't doing a good job of communicating because they were all in at like nine and yeah. ten. Well, I mean, you also have a whole bunch of people that literally vote against their own interests. Look, there's a lot of people on Long Island that voted for Donald Trump that live in low Lyle coastal areas. Right. The town that I am from, Island Park, and I won't call anybody out specifically, is notoriously Republican town where people are racist and not everybody, but a good amount of people are racist and vehement supporters of Donald Trump. They are all currently in a situation where they're raising their houses up onto stilts because of Hurricane Sandy because. Yeah. They got flooded so bad, and they know yeah. that there's other um, storms coming. And yet, they when I go online and I see people I went to high school with, and they're like, "Oh, well, cl- you know, the temperatures. It's cold out today. So like, climate <laughs> yeah. change isn't real, or yeah. like, you know, this is just some liberal conspiracy." And yet, they're directly affected by it. They're literally raising their houses and spending money, and they don't make the connection that their vote impacts this. Because when you voted for Donald Trump, you voted to ignore climate change right. essentially, and so you do that. At your own peril, right? So you know, we, we really talked like driven home the way it impacts people. I did want to make sure. So we talk about it doesn't impact people equally. We talked about it impacts people of color because it impacts us much harder and much worse. But you also need to understand how it impacts the people that this country has turned their backs on, and people who are currently incarcerated are suffering in very deep and painful ways. Alyssa, before I cut you off, you were going to talk about what was happening to the incarcerated folks in Florida. Could you go back to that? Right, yes. Yeah. So there, we don't just see this in Florida. We also saw this in New, um, in New Orleans and in North Carolina, which yeah. is the government does not want to evacuate jails, especially, even when they are in low-lying coastal areas that could be impacted by very serious hurricanes. The reason why the government does not want to evacuate jails is, like, one, they just don't care about prisoners, which is a whole other show, um, because you know like Dostoevsky once said that the test of our society and civilization is how we treat people in prison Um, but also they look at it as like a major security risk they think it's too complicated and too risky to evacuate a whole prison Um, and so instead you have situations where you're literally having prisoners out there in hurricanes trying to board up the prison so that they don't get swept away and of course the majority of people that are in prison are people of color due to the war on drugs and other issues you know this is why I always say every issue is related to everything else Um, And so when we don't evacuate prisons, then we can be responsible for violating people's constitutional rights. Like, thank God nothing happened at that prison and everything was okay. But what happens when a prison floods and you have literally 300 people die because they're trapped in cells and can't get out of a prison? Like, what do we tell their families? What do we tell their friends? What do we? What does that say about us as a yeah, society? Yeah, what does that say about us and our, our values that we are willing to let people drown to death, right, in locked cages because we refuse to reform our prison system. I mean, and this is something that we're going to be confronted with more and more because with climate change, with rising sea levels, comes more extreme weather, comes more storms like we've been experiencing in the South with these recent hurricanes. Um, Hurricane Sandy happened a few years back and it's still in recent memory in New York and it's not something, and it's something that we're going to start to experience more and more. These are the questions that we're going to have to ask ourselves and be confronted with. Like what kind of society are we where we are willing to let people who we've locked in cages die because we refuse to address these problems? I don't know. Alyssa, you got a a comment on Facebook Live? Yeah, we're getting a comment from Chad uh, Ubiwa who says, how about all the low-income and middle-class people in Florida who couldn't afford to evacuate this week, let alone relocate? Yeah. Yeah, those people's lives, they they were like entire communities decimated from this last hurricane. But guys, I I don't want us to just sit here and just be stuck in depression. I want to shift this towards solutions. Now, usually what people tell you when it's time for solutions is recycle more, drink water, don't run the water faucet. So... We're going to talk about solutions. We're not going to talk about those because what you need to understand about climate change and the people who do the most damage, they've created a propaganda machine that makes you feel like you are the one doing the most of the damage to our climate. And while we bear some responsibility, we don't bear all the responsibility. So changing straws from whatever they're made of to, to paper is nice, but it doesn't solve the problem that ExxonMobil is destroying entire neighborhoods. 
and making sure you put that soda bottle in the in the clear blue bag instead of the black bag helps but it doesn't change the fact that bp oil spilled millions of gallons of oil into the, the gulf coast so when we're talking go ahead jackie but i would push back and say and you're right i agree with you but i think that the consumption that in this country the way that we consume things mm -hmm. is extremely problematic and yeah. the way that we we waste we just buy things that we don't need the way that we just consume as a country is is largely an impact and obviously it's not the only thing and major major corporations should be held responsible yeah. for poisoning the earth bless you but ultimately i think that there is responsibility that we each have to consume less to reduce our carbon footprint um it's not just you know and and while also holding these major major corporations accountable. I get you and I agree. That's, I think that's what I was trying to say. You yeah. use better words called English to say that. <laughs> um, yeah, we have a role to play, but other people have roles to play as well. So now, I wanna, what I want to do real quick is talk about something we're pushing in New York through a coalition called New York Renews, where they're trying to get the state to be run by 100% renewable clean energy by the year 2050. That means no more gas, that means no more oil, that means no more coal. They want to do wind, solar, and hydro. And this is a bill that if it was passed, what they would do is create these taxes on these businesses that use up all this bad energy and then take 40% of that money and invest it into communities of color so that they can create their own clean energy resources. Because right now, if you own a home, you can buy a solar panel and put it on top of your roof and that would generate enough energy, not just for your home, but other homes to the point that the electric companies have to pay you money and a lot of communities of color could benefit from this, but we don't know about it or we don't have access to it because we don't have the money for it. And we can be helping to improve the economy and our environment at the same time. Selena? Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, and I would add to that, and I think, you know, you talked about radical solutions, and I yeah. think it is pretty radical to take literal power, but also sort of political and economic power away from these major, major energy companies yeah. by creating these like microgrids, right? Where yes. people can install solar panels on the roofs of their apartment buildings and their homes and generate enough power for their you know, immediate block or surroundings and you have all these homes producing energy, pulling it together as one like microgrid. That is obviously something that these major energy corporations are going to fight back on because that takes money literally out of their pockets and puts it back into the communities that they're they're sort of I mean, look, yeah, uh, uh, Jaron Quintus says nothing is going to change until we have a president that cares. And I think that's a, a supremely important comment, which, um, you know, is why you have to go out and vote in November, which is one of the things you can do. It's not the most radical, but it's one of the most important things. Um, but just getting back to what Jackie was saying for a second is we need to convince also the, the, the big companies like ExxonMobil, like BP, that the future for them to make money is also in renewable energy um, in a way we never have before. And we also need to convince people um, that live in places that generally make money um, off of fossil fuels that there is money to be made off of energy. Like, let's use West Virginia, for example, because we talked about West Virginia some last week and we talked about coal. A lot of people in West Virginia have their fathers were coal miners and their grandfathers were coal miners and their coal miners and those coal miner jobs like really do not exist anymore. Why is nobody going and saying, hey, look, let's put up a giant wind field here. We need 500 employees to come work on this wind field. Let's put up a giant solar field here. We need 500 employees to come work on this solar field. There are jobs in energy and there are jobs that can be created in energy in places like West Virginia that are not based on fossil fuels fuels. We have unlimited sunlight. We have unlimited wind. The fact that we do not use these resources or we rely mostly on fossil fuels, like doesn't make any sense. But even when we do that with all the energy that powers our homes and our businesses, we still have to look at things like public transportation and increasing it and encouraging more people to ride bicycles and encouraging more people to take buses and trains um, and less planes and less cars because that's one of the things we can do also. I wanna, I wanna push back on you, but the way I'm going to do it is, I know Selena has a comment too. I'm going to let her make her comment and I want her to answer this question. These corporations don't want to change. That's why they haven't. They're making way too much money. And if we're talking about radical solutions, 
why are we not taking over these corporations and giving it back to the people so they can start establishing their own microgrids? ExxonMobil is not going to do this. They knew in 1985 how bad climate change was and they hid the report. And now they're getting patents for solar panels and wind panels so people can't do it on their own. Mm -hmm. So why not take over the corporations, Lena? What do you mean by take over the corporation? I mean, kick off their board. Take it away from the owners and make it a gun. And because it's the shareholders that own the corporation. No, no, and take it from the shareholders. That's what I mean. Like completely. How? Through state violence? No. <laughs> I'm not asking you a legitimate question. No. Because that's how it's been accomplished in the yeah. past. So, no. I mean, it, it, it could come to state violence, but take it over. Pass legislation that nationalizes all these energy organizations because energy is a yeah. utility. But, yeah, I mean, but to Alyssa's point and the person that commented, we have an administration that is invested in this lobby like we have lobbyists in the coal industry and all of these uh big corporations that produce a lot of pollution they have lobbyists and they pay off our elected officials and then we have elected a businessman who also has ties to this like i wouldn't be surprised has some ties to these industries as well like they're invested in it so because their wealth is directly correlates with how well this industry does um it benefits them and also like Alyssa was saying a lot of these coal miners they vote for Trump. They happen to be Midwestern white people, white men, uh, the heads of these households, and they don't want to let it go. They're really resistant to change, and they don't want to do anything else new, and they're also uneducated to how this could become sustainable to their livelihood. So that's the big thing. And I also just wanted to make a comment about you know the point that Jackie was making uh, earlier about recycling. I will say, like, I agree with you because when I was taught to recycle as a young girl, it made me more cognizant of the environment, of the atmosphere. Like, my grandmother was very tedious on what, how to recycle. And because of that, I started looking into this, the environment, and because of that, now I actually really, really care about the environment. And like this study says, we only have a little bit more time to make changes or else we're all going to suffer, and we're suffering now. Like, how many of us have asthma? How many of us live in these in congested communities where you can't even breathe? I went to Paris. There was so much smog all over. Like, I was literally flying over and through smog because of pollution. And that happens here in New York City, too. So we got to wake up. We're getting a really good comment from Chad, but before I get to it, when we were out in California for Jackie's wedding, there was these huge wildfires going on. And when I was down in San Jose, you could see the smog and the smoke from the wildfires right. all the way down in San Jose, all the way up from Northern California. That is a direct effect of climate yeah. change. The major drought that you're seeing in California. And that cloud, apparently, that dust and that bad quality air from those fires actually made its way all the way here to New York. So, like, Everything is impacted by everybody else. This is not an isolated problem. Um, getting to Chad's comment, he said, I got asked from an Australian friend why America has these problems. Why is our infrastructure so bad? Why is racial injustice so high? What's up with all of your guns? You're the only nation that pulled out of the Paris Accords. Why is the richest country on the earth refusing to save it? My answer was that America has a party in control of all branches of government that does not represent the best interests of the country, let alone the world. The reason America has these issues at such a higher degree than you is because we have Republicans. That's it, and that's all. Thank you, Chad. That's it in a nutshell. So, Jackie, I know you talked about some. I, I talked about some of the work that Citizen Action is doing to um, help push for climate, like climate transformation in New York State and hopefully the country. Um, do you have, do you have, or have you heard of any other radical moves that people are working on to help transform the state of our climate crisis in this country? Yeah, I mean, I there are specifically I'm familiar with organizations in New York fighting climate change, and there's a number. I mean, I work for one, uh, Nyberg, and I work for the Shoppingers Campaign. Um, but there are organizations like NIJA, like We Act, that are addressing specifically um, environmental racism and and the ways that low-income communities of color are being impacted disproportionately. But overall, fighting for solutions right here in New York. And what's interesting to me is New York gets credited as, and specifically New York City, as doing well um, when it comes to greenhouse gas emissions because we have our transit system. We have the subway system in New York. Um, but those watching from New York and anybody that's sort of been paying attention knows that our subway system's falling apart. Um, and transportation has now outpaced energy production as the top contributor to greenhouse gases in the country. So it's critical that we have sustainable infrastructure for mass transit, 
functioning subways and buses and paratransit so that people don't have to get in a car. And what we're seeing in a city like New York, which has always been lauded as doing great work when it comes to reducing greenhouse gas emissions, is that the level of emissions are increasing as transit starts to fail, right? That's a big problem. And, you know, we've seen in New York City that 23% of all New York City's carbon emissions come from tailpipe emissions, right? From vehicles, from trucks. And that number needs to be reduced, but we can't reduce it if the subway continues to fail. And that's the New York City subway. We've seen drop in ridership on mass transit systems across the country because buses are slow, because our country doesn't value investment in critical infrastructure. And then we've seen companies like Uber, like Lyft, rideshare companies grow and profit off of the fact that public transportation in these cities suck and people don't want to wait forever to get on the subway or wait forever in traffic on a bus. They want to get to where they're going faster. So that increase of cars on the road has just contributed even farther to to greenhouse gas emissions being reduced. In, in our cities that are supposed to do, you know, in these green cities like New York, like Seattle, like we've seen it everywhere and it's a big problem. Yeah. So guys, listen, we have come to the, the tail end of this conversation. So what I want to do is give folks like a quick like 30 seconds to give some of your final thoughts of like what you think people should take away from this. I want to start with Salim. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I just wanted to say that to Jackie's point again, like I'm guilty of that. Like I'm a driver in New York City and because of like slow transportation, it like it forces me to drive a lot of times when I should just be able to hop on a train or a bus. Um, but I would just say that you know, if you don't want to go to the climate changes, climate change march, and you think that recycling is too big of a, a burden or whatever it is, like as horrible that as that is, you can still there are still very easy solutions that you can do that can help contribute to stop uh, climate change or at least to try to you know slow it down or, or try to reverse some of the effects. It's by like donating to organizations like We Act, like Citizen Action, uh, two organizations that Stanley work, has worked for, works for now, because they're doing that hard work. They're on the ground. They're lobbying our elected officials and telling them to push legislation that would prevent uh, big corporations from polluting our airs, polluting our waters, and they are doing, uh, that's basically the thing that we could all do. We can support them in their mission to stop climate change. Uh, so just one of our uh, listeners, hi, Catherine, says that we should check out 350.org for more information. Uh, they're headquartered in Brooklyn, and they're great climate change advocates yeah. and a great organization doing work all over the world. I think that's true. Um, look, my final thoughts is this. We live on a tiny blue dot in the middle of a vast universe that is surrounded by other galaxies and other planets and other stars. And we've been looking and looking and looking and looking for hundreds of years and we have yet to found anybody else quite like us. And that's not to say there's not other life out there, but what we have here is just so special um, and it's so vulnerable. And in the blink of the eye, everything that we have here can be gone. And it's so, it's so important that we take this issue seriously and that we put this issue at the forefront of our conversations because at the end of the day, this might not affect our parents' generation and it might not affect our, have affected our grandparents' generation, but it's gonna affect us and it's gonna affect our children. And if we don't do anything about it now, it's gonna be too late by the time we get to the point where we're like, hey guys, we should do something about this. So we really need to think about that every single day. Yeah. And vote. Um, so these guys know, so I, you know, I am recently married, um, and my husband and I, you know, have always been under the assumption that we would have kids. And after this report came out, we had a serious conversation about whether or not that's a good thing to do, right? Whether it's fair to bring a kid into this world who would presumably be a teenager by 2040, what kind of worlds are we leaving for them? And is that okay? Is that acceptable to bring a kid into this world knowing that this is the way that our, our planet is moving, right? This is the, where our climate is, is headed towards. So it's really scary, but at the same time, you know, there are so many organizations, so many people fighting to combat this. Um, I don't think that all hope is lost, but it's something that we should all be concerned with and terrified about. And, you know, what I talked about transportation uh, a little bit back, and I think it's important to remember that 
we need to make the way for some of these changes to take place because they might not be comfortable, they might not be super convenient for you personally, but ultimately they are the, for the good of all people. Nothing makes me angrier than when we're fighting for a bus lane to be put in a, on a city street, right? A bus lane that would carry so many more people that would reduce so many carbon emissions because it would get many people off out of their cars and off the road and onto a bus where you see people fighting back like viciously because they want their parking spot. They feel entitled to this public land that's for everybody. They don't wanna be in any way inconvenienced for the good of society. And I think that as Americans, we're sort of predisposed to think like that. It's about individual liberty, not what's best for the common good. And we need to start, start thinking about what's best for the common good because if we don't start thinking in that way, our planet is going to burst into flames, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. So, guys, I think they've really said all you can say about this. This is a heady topic. This is a heavy topic. And, you know, we had a big debate about whether we should spend the majority of the show talking about Kanye West and what he said at the Oval Office and his impact on politics, or whether we should talk about climate change and what may happen to us if we don't do something. And it wasn't an easy decision to make because at the end of the day, this is not a sexy topic. This is not a topic that gets people interested, and sometimes it can be so overwhelming, it's a lot easier to make believe it's not happening. But we're at the point now, it's happening, whether you want it or not. And we would be doing ourselves a, dis, a dishonor, and you a dishonor if we didn't talk about this. So now that the conversation has been had, it's your turn, it's time to take action. With that being said, guys, we are done for the week. Thank you so much for tuning in here on Facebook Live. And um, thank you if you're listening on podcasts. Thank you if you're on IG Live. Um, listen, guys, if you want to help support us, help our show, our show grow, you can become a monthly subscriber at Patreon, patreon.com slash Radio, Or you can be a one-time giver at our GoFundMe. We'll post a link on the Facebook Live page a little bit later today, as well as in the podcast link. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. We'll be back next week. Until then, we will see you next time.